Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. I have a BFF, best friend from my teen years in Halifax. Every, I, know when, I know when it's my birthday because he always phones me. <laughs> From Halifax, we catch up. More recently, we've been in touch with all the uh, wildfires, and then more recently, the floods in Nova Scotia. Uh, King David in the Bible also had a BFF. His name was Jonathan. Now, I know when I say Jonathan around here, we think of Pastor Jonathan. And I'm pleased to be able to tell you that after a very replenishing sabbatical for the last three months, that uh, the man himself is going to be here one week from today and starting a, a new series. And uh, we're looking forward to having our, our lead pastor, Jonathan Smith, back from uh, a good sabbatical. And uh, not just to be here to lead us in a series, but, but replenish to lead us into a whole new chapter as, as a church. And uh, we, we've been praying for him, and I know you'll continue to pray that the Lord will, will bless this next chapter as he comes back to, uh, to lead us. But D David had this uh, friend, Jonathan, and uh, <clears throat> that friendship, like they, they, they were, when David got his first job at King Saul's palace. It was as a musician, and they became very tight. And, uh, and so much so that Jonathan risked his life in many ways for his friend David. And, uh, but that friendship, did you know this, ended tragically because Jonathan, along with his dad's King Saul, were killed in battle. But you need to know that to understand that when David became king, and he was king for years when this happened, when you know that background about Jonathan, then you can understand these, this story. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan, he, he is lame in both feet. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Emiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you Kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then Zebus said to the king, 
Your servant will do whatever my Lord the King commands his servant to do. So can you say this aloud together with me? It'll come up later. You'll understand it better when you leave than right now. (laughs) Say it aloud together with me. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. Try and think that that very fast. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Now, did you notice the reason that King David was so kind to Mephibosheth? Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness to for? Jonathan's sake, for Jonathan's sake. It it was nothing that Mephibosheth had done. David didn't even know that Mephibosheth existed on the planet. It was David's love for Jonathan that got Mephibosheth in. One of the most memorable trips that I've ever done in my life was when we, Esther and I went, my wife and I went to visit her uh, parents' hometown in Sicily, Italy, and um, Esther was the first of the six children that were born in Canada. Her parents have immigrated uh, from, from Sicily. And so when we, when we were there, I mean, it, I, they didn't know English. I did not know Italian. Well, I knew a little bit. You know, I knew the important words. Io ti amo, ciofame, mangi, and andiamo. In other words, I love you, I'm hungry, let's eat, get out of here. All right, so <laughs> I, I knew, I knew I, you've heard me say before, I know a little Italian, her name is Esther. So anyway, I, 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 we, we just had a wonderful time. And so I was strangers and you could just sense when they were meeting me, but when they found out that I was Charles Lamentia's son-in-law, I was in. It was all manje from that point on. (laughs) I ate at their table. It was wonderful. But what am I saying? They showed me kindness for my father-in-law's sake. Uh, I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Do you know that's a picture of you (laughs) and me? The Apostle Paul explained it to the Christians in Ephesus Turkey, when he said this to them, forgive others as God, say it with me, for Christ's sake has forgiven you. God forgives us for whose sake? For Christ's sake. We get into God's family not because of anything we have done, but we're in because of what Jesus has done for us. We're invited to the king's table on the merits of somebody else. And then uh, David says to his chief of staff, Ziba, he says, uh, and, uh, you know, is there anyone I can show kindness to? And uh, Ziba says, there is still a son of Jonathan, but he always adds this in, he is lame in both feet. <laughs> he is lame in both feet. I, I just met one of our uh, pastor Dan's son, and uh, I asked Hillary, his mom, how old is he now? Five. When Mephibosheth was five, it was a tragic day. His dad and his grandpa were both killed in battle. 
in a rush to evacuate the palace and get the royal family to safety, whoever was carrying this five-year-old Mephibosheth dropped in, and it must have been quite a drop because it, it, it crippled him. He was lame in both feet from that time on. Mephibosheth was so damaged, so damaged that it left him crippled, so he, he needed crutches or something to help him get around from that point on. It makes me think of how the Apostle Paul wrote the, the followers of Jesus in Rome, and he says, you know, we've all sinned, and we have fallen. Oh, we've all fallen short of God's beauty and perfection. We've all fallen short of God's glory. The plan that he had for our lives, we, we're all broken and we're, we're crippled. We've fallen short of it. Every one of us has broken souls. Do you know our purity is broken? Our connection with God is broken. Our emotions, our hearts, our hopes, our dreams are broken. The life that God wanted for us is broken. Like Mephibosheth, every one of us have parts of us, parts of our being that are not working the way they were designed by God to work. Like Mephibosheth, we can get really down there. So, did you notice what Mephibosheth called himself? He comes up a dead dog. Well, who am I? Your servant's nothing but a, a dead dog. It tells you something of the internal conversations he had with himself of what he thought of himself. I'm useless. I'm such a loser. Dead dog. And then did you notice the last verse? Even after David going public <laughs> to his chief of staff and the rest of the palace staff about how Mephibosheth is always going to have a seat at my table, he went public with that. And, that. and yet the writer of this book of the Bible ends off talking about Mephibosheth this way. He says he, says he always ate at the king's table why does he have to add this? We, we know this already. He was lame in both feet. He's just not going to let him forget that. Even though everyone else who ate at the king's table, just think about it, everyone else brought their own brokenness. I mean, King David. <laughs> everyone knows about David and Goliath and David and... Yeah. There's Joab there, the king's veteran. I was thinking, he's seen so much death in his decades of military leadership. Can you imagine how much PTSD he had? Amnon, that son of David, is always out for himself, and he was good at it. He was a clever rascal. Absalom, that rebellious son of David, <laughs> he's got a seat at the table. The king's daughter, Tamar, she was a victim of sexual violence. Imagine the trauma that, that she had to overcome in her life. Bathsheba, her past of adultery, and then there's Solomon, of course, the child that came from that relationship between David and Bathsheba. So, so, so it's not just Mephibosheth. Everyone that went to the king's table had their... They had their broken soul. They had their crippledness. They had their story. They had their history. They had their baggage. Now, normally when a new king took over, they cleaned house. Sort of like a change of the U.S. president. Whoever was loyal to that president has to go. Pack your bags and get out of here. 
There's a new sheriff in town. And, and that, that's, why, that's why when David meets Mephibosheth, he says, don't, 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 don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. David said to him, you will always have a seat at my table. Now, this is the line that sort of is going to end this summer series. I, I think about this um, sometimes on not the best days for Keith Smith. Not, not the days that I'm most proud of, I, I think of this. Today we're going to see that Mephibosheth's experience with King David, we have, we have a way better experience. It just serves as an illustration of the place at the table that we have with King Jesus. We're going to celebrate communion. We're going to, it's called the Lord's Table many times. We're going to celebrate that together in a few moments. And I want to invite you, number one, to come to the table with humility. Come to the table with humility. You don't belong here. Except for Jesus. None of us did anything good enough to earn our forgiveness. None of us were cute enough <laughs> to get into the kingdom. None of us have what it takes to clean up all the damage that we've done to our own souls and the damage that we've done to other people in our lifetime. There's times that we can feel as bad about ourselves as Mephibosheth did when he called himself a dead dog. There's some of you listening to me right now, whether you're in this room in Toronto or online, and you think, well, I'll never be good enough to be a Christian. I can't be like Jesus and that goodness and perfect. That's just nuts me. I'm never going to get that. I just, or I just messed up too much. I struggle with crippledness in my life. Uh, let me get my act together, and then I'll begin to follow Jesus. Listen, dear one, Jesus didn't die for us because we were capable of getting it all together. He died for us on the cross because we were incapable of getting ourselves together. We needed one to come for us who had it all together to give his life for us that we could receive a gift of having it all together. Do you know what that gift is called? Grace. The New Testament writers had to come up with a whole new word to describe this concept. Grace. Charis in the Greek. Translated grace in English. G-R-A-C-E. Have you heard this before? I've shared it before. God's riches at Christ's expense. Do you know that nothing that you have done has ever been good enough to qualify you to be at King Jesus' table? But here, listen to the rest of the sentence. Nothing that you have done has ever been wrong enough to disqualify you from having a place at King Jesus' table. C.S. Lewis, my favorite writer, was a prof at Oxford University, and there was a group of professors that were having a discussion about what made, they called it Christianity, different from all the other world religions. And they saw Professor Lewis go by, and uh, he was Irish, just so you, Irish, just so you know. And, and they saw him go by, and they said, uh, "Hey, Lewis, you're a Christian. What makes Christianity different than any other old religion?" He says, "Oh, that's easy, grace." And then he just kept on walking, grace, grace. You can't do anything that makes you good enough. It's you just have to receive. 
You have to take what you don't deserve. Just receive what Jesus has done. I grew up in a church that, uh, you know, received communion like we do every month, and then I pastored. I added up this morning the last 46 years. I've been in churches where I've led communion services in multiple services in almost in Edmonton, Ottawa, and Toronto, sometimes three services a weekend here. I added it all up, and I've had a minimum of 1,524 times at the Lord's table. What am I saying? Doesn't mean a thing. I am no more deserving of what Jesus did for me, what these emblems represent, than the person who's praying with me to receive Jesus today for the first time. No more deserving. I don't, it doesn't matter how long you've been part of this church or how long you've been following Jesus. How many understand we are a Christian today and it's all because of Jesus' grace? All because of his grace. And if you haven't opened your heart to Jesus' grace, I'm going to pray with you in this room in just a few moments. Come to the table with humility. You don't belong here except for, except for Jesus. But listen to me. Here's the second part. Come to the table with confidence. <laughs> Come to the table with confidence. You do belong here because of Jesus. Now, after Queen Elizabeth, I, I'm not going to look up right now. Uh, after Queen Elizabeth, I can't say I'm the world's biggest fan of the Commonwealth monarchy. Send your letters to the lead pastor. <laughs> But I do have a king, a king that I would die for, like that. A king that I have sworn my life's loyalty and allegiance to. He's the king over the entire universe. He's the, he stands above the rulers of this world. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. King who even when I feel like I'm a dead dog like Mephibosheth did, when I feel like my soul is crippled and my life is broken, my king still says to me, Keith, you come to my table. You will always eat at my table. I had a deacon and my wife Esther will remember this deacon in um, while I was going to university in Hamilton, McMaster, I assisted in a church here in southern Scarborough and uh, sitting on the platform I'd, I would see, it just only happened a couple of times during my two years there but I noticed it this deacon David Kirby he he had a son had several children but he had a son that he brought to church in a wheelchair and that son would have these mild seizures and when he had a seizure, I, I could see from where I was on the platform, I could see David Kirby just picking his son up out of the wheelchair, putting his head on his shoulder, and I'd see him pacing back and forth across the back of the church where no one could see, just patting his son. You know what he was saying, it's all right. It's all right. Daddy's right here. It's going to be all right. I love that about Father God. 
For Jesus' sake, he forgives us, accepts us, and when we do things that would be embarrassing or bring shame to him, somehow he just, well, here's how he, the writer of Hebrews says it. He says it this way. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy, that's you and me, they have the same father. Jesus and you and I have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. You ever done stuff, thought stuff again, and thought, wow, I must be such an embarrassment to you, Jesus. Well, one of my favorite places to go in recent years uh, in Israel, and Pastor Jonathan is looking to lead a group of church family to Israel in the spring of, uh, about a year from now, spring of 2024. We're just putting stuff together for that. But I, I love going to the, they, they were d- digging a parking lot and they discovered, you can't dig anywhere in Israel without uncovering something archaeologically. So they discovered what ended up being the ruins of King David's palace. They even found the name of a a record keeper, an accountant, that in the book of Chronicles, he's named. And so, you know, it's David's palace. And and it's just, now, one thing they haven't found there, though, is the king's table that his family ate at. (laughs) Haven't found that. But I can picture it in my imagination. You know, the, 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 the table's set. Middle Eastern food is there. It's ready to serve. And in, in walks King David, right? The monarch himself, head of the table. And then comes the gracious queen, Bathsheba. No hint of how it occurred that she ever became part of the royal family. And then there's Joab. No evidence of all the multiple deaths he's seen for decades In walks Amnon, he sits down with a smile that covers up the conniving that he's been up to that day. In walks Tamer, that smart, pretty woman. You never know the trauma that she'd experienced in her past life. In walks Absalom, the girls call him the hunk. Do girls still say that? He he stumbles in from the palace gym, right? In walks Solomon, the nerd. He stumbles in from the palace library. And then, and then, you, hear, and then you hear this. And you hear this. Coming to the table, you, you hear this. It's Mephibosheth making his way to his place at the table. He's probably humming, trying to reassure himself. He's probably humming, I'm a child of the king. Some of you listening to me right now, watching me right now, with me right now, you messed up this week. You said stuff you shouldn't have. You hurt people. You thought stuff about yourself that you shouldn't have. You watched stuff. You thought stuff. 
And you're saying, well, I, I don't, Jesus is holy, he's perfect. I, I don't belong at his table. And King Jesus says to you today, these instructions, come, have a seat at my table. Some of you are struggling with the stuff you've been struggling with and you thought you were free from it and you're struggling with it again. You've got addictions and alcohol or pornography and you're struggling with depression or anger, wanting to be free. And you're saying, well, I, 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 I don't deserve to, to be with Jesus. He's holy, he's perfect. I, I, I don't belong, I don't belong. Listen, your king says, you do belong. Your king says, come, please be seated at my table. And some are struggling with, with thoughts. Maybe you don't think of yourself as a dead dog, but you get pretty close. Why do I keep struggling with this? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? I could never be a Christian. I could never be a follower of Jesus. I just mess up too much. Such a loser. Listen to your king. He says, hush up. Come. You'll always have a seat at my table. How many understand you're at his table now? He calls the shots. He gets to say who's there. And he wants you there. Oh, before we have communion, can I pray with those in this room and those who are joining us online, even on the replay? And you say, Pastor Keith, if you'll pray with me, I'm ready to open my heart and receive. I don't deserve it, but I understand it's a gift, and I'm ready to receive that gift of grace that Jesus died to give me. Let's just bow our heads, and if you're joining us online, he hears you as if you were the only one talking to him right now. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. I receive that gift now. Cleanse away all the wrongs I have done and keep cleansing me because I'll mess up again. But thank you for a gift that says I'll always be able to come close to you. I'll always have a seat at your table. And Jesus, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Right into heaven when I die. Uh, if you prayed that prayer with me, just add amen. And you'll get some instructions from our hosts of this service, Pastor Steph and Pastor Stephen later. But I invite you to, to, to take communion with us and to remember what Jesus did for you. If you're in the room, can I invite you just to take what you received on the way in, those emblems, and right now just, just separate the bread. Just tear the top back and separate the bread. Oh, may this be a meaningful time in the presence of the Lord. I invite you just to break it, just to break it in your hand because your king told those first followers at his table, this is my body and it's broken for you. And when we break it, it's a way of saying, Jesus, 
Come into my crippledness. Come into my brokenness. Just invite him right now into whatever brokenness you're experiencing. And say, Jesus, you don't give up on me. I'm not going to give up on you. Restore what is broken, Lord. Thank you for being broken for me. Let's receive the bread together. Now just prepare the cup. Just get it ready. This cup represents uh, blood that was poured out for us, a shedding of blood, the giving of a life. Because Jesus wanted us close to him and his father forever. So what he did, when he died, his, when people say his blood cleanses away all sin, it's just saying he, he, he takes away all the wrongs that we have done, pays for them, pays for the damage so that we won't have to, dies in our place, and this, this, this cup, how many would just say, Jesus, give me a fresh cleansing. <laughs> Keep cleansing me, Jesus. Thank you that the power of your shed blood to cleanse me, it will never lose its power. Administer that power to my life today. Let's receive of the cup together. And he gives you permanent status as his child. You say, can I have that in writing? Okay, look at this. Look at one of the ones that sat at that table put it. They put it this way. They say, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we could be called, say it aloud together with me, children of God. And that is what we are. <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord. We belong at his table. The price has been paid. The seat is always reserved for us. The prodigal can come home. You know, I, I saw something I've never seen before. Never seen before. I've known the story well. Look, 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 at, look at what I saw. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show, look at this, God's kindness. Question for you, before we wrap up here. How many God's been good to you? How many he still accepts you? He keeps on forgiving you. Whatever kind of week or day you've had, whatever kind of thought or action you've done, he still invites you to his table as one of his own children. And he says, you'll always have a seat at my table. But then he, see, our king was perfect. King David, not so much. Not so much. He messed up a lot. Our king did not. He's, he had experienced God's kindness. God, you've been so good to me. When I said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me, you answered that prayer. You restored me. You restored me. You brought me back again. And David has a place at his king's table <laughs> and it's forever. Amen? So let's go do for other people. <laughs>
Let's extend the invitation. Pastor John begins a new series next week that is going to be so helpful to so many people. Let's invite other people to the King's table. Freely we have received, freely give. Let's do some inviting. <laughs>